founder of the uh, Paul Mitchell line of hair products and the Patron Spirits uh, tequila. Uh, JP, welcome to the show. Why, thank you so much. So JP, why don't we start by telling me sort of what, obviously you've been an incredibly successful entrepreneur. Tell me sort of the two or three most important lessons you've learned or that you try to pass on to other entrepreneurs that, uh, you know, younger entrepreneurs. What are sort of the two, three most important lessons? Good question. Good question. So I love to share First thing is, they should know, in fact, everyone in life should know this, be prepared, especially in business, whether you work for someone else or yourself, be prepared for a lot of rejection. Hmm. Everyone's going to get rejection. If you're not prepared for it, when they tell you, no, your idea is no good, no, I don't want to buy it, no, I don't like the work you're doing, it affects you. If you are prepared, knowing you're going to be getting a lot of rejection, then it's not going to hit you as hard. Let me give you an example of this. Uh, when I was selling encyclopedias in my early 20s, door-to-door for Collier's, no appointments, just door-to-door, there'd be maybe, let's say, 40 doors closed to my face, most of them politely, you know, sorry, we're not interested, whatever. But I'd have to be just as enthusiastic on door number 41 as it was on door number 40 or door number 105 as it was on door number 104 in order to succeed. Hmm. So it's very important to know, be prepared for a lot of rejection and then it's not going to affect you that much. Another thing would be that successful people in anything you do, do all the things unsuccessful people don't want to do. Example, work seven days a week if you had to, work an extra hour at night, uh, you know, give up going to a club uh, when you could actually be doing something business-wise to really get something going. It's where you put your focus and your attention and realizing that sometimes you don't want to do it, but by God, it's those that go overboard and do it. Uh, I know there's a lot of Asians that come over, maybe the whole family, and I love these stories, all live together in a little teeny house, and they save all their money. Pretty soon, they buy the little restaurant. Now they get a bigger one and a bigger one. They kind of work together. They give everything they can to it, live within their means, and so a little below their means. That's another thing, too. When you are an entrepreneur and you start becoming successful, don't immediately start spending what you're making now. Don't ever go above whatever your cost of living is for at least six months. Hmm after you go to the next level. Hmm. So many people do that, and they mortgage their future with debts, and result is uh, they mortgage their future with debts. That something goes wrong, they don't have the extra money to back it up. Hmm. So that's another really good thing, is don't raise your standard of living or your cost of living for at least six months to make sure what you're doing maintains that. And then another good thing is when you start making a little bit of money, the first thing you should do with the extra money is have enough money in the bank, even a stupid bank account which pays you Actually, you lose money when you have money in the bank, but at least you, you have it safely there. Enough for six months of expenses. I mean, your movie ticket theaters, you know, tickets, your, your rent, your car, your insurance, everything you normally would spend for six months. Put that in the bank. That's where your first money should go. Because if anything went wrong, you don't have to change your lifestyle for six months. In that period of time, you can get something together and recover a little bit. So those are a few suggestions. So when you think about kind of your successful career, and you said you started off selling encyclopedias, you were turned down. What was what was kind of like the key inflection point that kind of started? How would you characterize kind of the, one of the key inflection points in your success? 
I would say realizing that after three or four days, you don't sell a set of encyclopedias, but you're still knocking on those doors, each one just as enthusiastic. Finally, you get in, and then maybe you didn't sell it, but you get into another door. Finally, you sold a set of books, and it was like, wow, this really works. Well, as time goes on, you get better and better and better. So maybe instead of knocking on 50 doors to get into one, you're knocking on 10 to get into one. Mm. You get better and better. You realize that through failing, but all of a sudden something good happens, and it gives you that, oh, wow, there is something there. Uh, kind of like I like the saying that in the end, everything will be okay. Hmm. And if it's not okay, it's not the end. Hmm. Now, do you think you were kind of natural at selling or what, what would you say about that? Well, I started very young. At seven years old, I was at the Variety Boys Club in East L.A., and my brother and I made a flower box for 25 cents and went out there and sold it for 50 cents. Mm. Uh, so I would just say we were we were excited about trying to make a quarter <laughs> back in those <laughs> days, and we just did it, and it, it seemed to be okay. And later on in life, we sold newspapers. Uh, you know, we had a little paper route, and the more customers you had, you know, the extra dollar a month you made. It just kind of it just went in that direction. But but a good salesperson isn't someone that tries to sell something to somebody. A good person is somebody that helps the customer make the right decision and give them something they could really use. Hmm. I, I tell entrepreneurs all the time and existing business people, make sure the quality of your product or the quality of your service is so good, you are no longer in the selling business. You are in the reorder business because it's so good. They'll either reorder it, or if it's a one-time buy, they'll tell people about it, and maybe they'll order it from you. Make sure your product or your service is that good. How did you get into the hair care business? Totally by accident. Uh, I was 26 years old. I worked for Time, Inc., as their circulation manager for Lifetime Fortune Sports Illustrated out of Santa Monica, California, and went up to my boss one day and said, hey, when, you know, I don't want to do this uh, forever, the rest of my life. You know, when do I get to have a job like yours or be a vice president? <laughs> he says, well, first of all, you're 26 years old. You've never been to college. Come back and ask me when you're 35. And then that's when I thought, oh, i got to look for something else. And I had a friend who was an employment counselor today, which means that companies would pay him to get you know new people working for them. Them. And he sent me out on a variety of jobs that I tried out, didn't really adhere to any of them. Then he said one day, you know, John Paul, there's a, a job here in the professional beauty industry. It doesn't pay much money to start with at all. That it sucks, the money pays you. But you could go anywhere you want. He was right. <laughs> <laughs> when you kind of look back, do you think that um, you think you do you sort of do you characterize yourself as kind of a risk taker? What, what, what would you say about that? Oh, definitely. When I started John Paul Mitchell Systems and our money didn't come through, I started the company with $700. <laughs> so, yeah, that was a big risk. Lived in my car for a couple of weeks because I was going through a, a transfer in my own personal life. And I uh, lived in my car and uh, you know, barely made it uh, for two years, but mm. did make it. And, of course, I'm glad I stuck it out. Mm. Do you think that that's an important, uh, do you think that's an important characteristic to being successful, being a risk taker like that? Uh, yes. I mean, you want to be a risk taker. You don't want to put everything on the line. But in that case, I had no choice. I'd left a situation I was in, left all the money I had with that person so they'd be fine, thinking there was a half a million dollars coming in that day. And I'd you know, check into an efficiency hotel and eventually get an apartment. And I only had a few hundred bucks in my pocket, and it didn't come in. So let's say it was I had no choice. That was a situation where I had no choice in the matter. And, you know, thank God that was the case. 
Thank God it was, because I had a choice in the matter. Who knows if I would have done it, you know, with no money, no nothing, no income, zero, no place to live. <laughs> and I was too proud to ask my mom, hey, mom, can I have my own room back? She had no idea what was going on. When she found out, she was very upset because she would have fed me, gave me a place to live and everything. But uh, and she was in the same town, but I was just too proud to tell her things weren't going right. So now you've got, obviously, a lot of successful businesses. You're a, very, you're a philanthropist. You do lots of different things. How do you kind of decide what to focus on now? Obviously, I'm sure there's a million different businesses you could get involved in. How do you kind of figure out what to focus on now? Well, I've got a great president, Paul Mitchell, a great president, Patron. I spend most of my time with Paul Mitchell, by the way, when you look at the big companies. But right now, there's two that are going to change the world as we know it today. Uh, one of them is Abio, A-U-B-I-O. If any of your uh, people on your radio want to look at it, they'll see abio.com, A-U-B-I-O, A-U for gold, bio for nature, hmm. A-U-B-I-O.com. And here's what that is. The World Health Organization in November last year issued a report. 3.7 billion people, that's two out of every three, have the cold sore virus. Hmm. So over the years, I've worked with a group and spent millions of dollars doing double-blind studies to come up with a plant-based product that's invisible, sells for $29.95, and everyone I've given it to, everyone I've given it to, if they have a cold sore or a uh, you know blister, fever blister, whatever they call those, mm. it's either didn't come out, they felt a tingle, put it on every hour for a day, never came out, or if it did come out, everyone I've ever given it to, it's gone in two days. Unheard of. It's topically applied, and it's sold over the counter. Mm. Now, but I wanted to have double-blind studies, so I did double-blind studies. We did double-blind studies. The double-blind study showed that 93% of all people that have used it, it worked on 93%. For me, it was 100% of everyone I gave it to. And yeah. so I, I started that with under two conditions. One, we would do double-blind studies so it could be sold over the counter instead of through a prescription, which saves you money. And two, it would be sold realistically. $29 is pretty cheap for a tube. Hmm. And that tube could last you a long time. But right now, we just launched it a few months ago. Right now, it's in every Target, every Rite Aid, and every... Uh, uh, CVS. It's in every one of those three right now. And of course, it's on Amazon or you get it over the internet if you go to obio.com. Hmm. Uh, and, and that was something at a low price, I could change people's lives. So that's getting some of my attention now to launch it off the ground because it's so good. You know, I, I've never been in a business before where two out of three people have that virus and could use the product. And in our opinion, it works better than anything out there. You know, it's, it's, it's amazing, really amazing. So that, that's a big deal. The other one is I'm trying to change people's lifestyles. Most people have at least one mobile phone. I, I want you to imagine this kind of a lifestyle for all families and everybody. $49 a month, you get all your phone calls, and you get to pick the carrier you want. You pick your own hmm. carrier, okay? All your phone calls, all your texting, you got data. You have all your music, over 20 million songs downloaded and captured, $100,000 worth of accidental life insurance, $20,000 worth of burial insurance, telemedicine, which means that 24 hours a day, seven days a week on your smartphone, you have a doctor at the other end, if you can imagine that, right? All of that that I just mentioned for $49 a month and no contract on any smartphone you want to use. 
Wow. So to me, that's changing people's lives. People that couldn't afford things like this now have something they can never afford for less than what the average phone bill is, way less. They can make all their calls. Oh, plus on there is 500 minutes international. That's all included. Hmm. So that's something that changes people's lives. And we're working with NASA right now. Uh, and we'll have, by the end of this year, a telephone that we'll actually be able to come out with and sell with space-age technology that does not emanate all that radiation you normally get off a cell phone. It's a breakthrough in cell phones. That's why they say don't put it by your ear, hold it far away, or do whatever. So that changes people's lives. And once again, it's something that's affordable for everybody. And it gives me some extra money to put into various charities that I support. Yeah, that sounds very cool. Are you planning on being another guest on Shark Tank again? I don't know. It's possible. I know I went on that time as a good shark. I don't think they could have me every time on because it would disrupt the show. They want some controversy in there. But I may. Mark, Mark Burnett's a great guy, and uh, I may go on again. They, they may have me back on again and ask me to please negotiate a little bit. Don't just give away the store because you think the guy deserves it. You know, But that's just how I am. He deserved it. Well, JP, it's been a fascinating conversation. I really appreciate you taking the time. When you decide to start yet another business, you'll have to come back and tell me about it. I love it. Thank you so much, sir. This is Richard Chu and John Paul DeJoria. Thanks. All right, Richard. Bye, Bye, buddy. Thanks. Bye. 